In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, the church commemorates the falling asleep, the death of St. John the theologian. And St. John was the youngest of the disciples whom, whom, who loved Christ in a very special way and whom also Christ loved very dearly. John was the one, as you just heard, that was standing at the cross of Christ with Mary, his mother, and the other women, the only disciple that was there. John <clears throat> also laid, it says, at his breast, at Christ's breast, when he was at the Last Supper or, or at the moment that evening when Christ instituted the Eucharist. John lay at his breast, it says, which means he was close to him. And the church fathers take this image of John near the breast, the, the, the chest, the heart of Christ as very significant because the heart is where we say we love, isn't it? This, this part of us, this center of us. This is where we feel our love for one another. And John, it says, is laying close to the breast of Christ <clears throat> on that night when Christ institutes the Eucharist and when he's betrayed. His proximity, his closeness to Christ, the fathers say, is what filled him with theology, with love, with the Holy Spirit, with grace, with many other spiritual gifts. But what compelled John to want to do this, to be near Christ? Is it because he was trying to be the most famous of the apostles? Is it because he was trying to earn something? Is it because he was afraid and he wanted to make sure he was on the right side of Christ, like he was somehow in Christ's favor? No. None of those things. What compelled John to draw so close to Christ was love for Christ, love for Jesus Christ. And his ability to also feel and experience the love of Jesus Christ for him. And there's a little clue to that at the end of this gospel. He even calls himself the disciple whom Christ loved. Not that he's showing off about that, but he's, he's glorifying that, he's celebrating that. But at the very end he says, there are many other things that Christ did, that Jesus did. And if 
every one of them were to be written in a book, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. This is a very mysterious sentence. What else did John see? What else did John experience? Can you imagine? And why? Because of his love for, Je for Jesus Christ. That love, that closeness to Christ, revealed things to John. Spiritual things that are hidden from most of us. So he saw things in Christ and he experienced things in Christ in those three years of Christ's public, uh, public ministry that are unexplainable, that are wondrous, and that they did not write in the Gospels because they were, it is impossible to describe these things that Christ did. He saw things that are unexplainable, so wonderful, so glorious, you could not put it into words. You would need billions of books. That's the point John's trying to make. Again, he is able to witness and experience these things because of his love for Jesus Christ. And this is why he's one of the few, only three, individuals of our faith that we call theologian. Theologian. There are only three. John is one of them. So, the other is St. Gregory the Theologian and St. Simeon, the New Theologian. This is a title we, the Church does not give easily. And this is a title neither of us should assume either. It's something that the Church gives. And a theologian is the one who is close to God, who is, has a very intimate relationship and understanding and experience of God, and is given knowledge, does not seek it himself, does not uncover it himself, but it is given. So again, I want you to really imagine this image of, of St. John, whom we commemorate today, laying near the breast of Christ, maybe so close that he could hear his heart, and how that completely transfigured him and sanctified him and filled him with love for Christ and for all people. And this is what we read in his epistle reading today. And it's always a joy to read some of these other epistles that we often perhaps don't hear as often uh, in the church. And Joshua read it today. It's in your, it's in your uh, handouts, the bulletin. It's from one of St. John's letters. And what does he say? No man has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Just that sentence you could write millions of books about. 
What's he saying here? If we love one another, God lives in us. And this is how people see God. His love is perfected in us. We have a duty. We have a responsibility. We have a purpose. We have a purpose to be a channel, a vessel of God's love. That's our purpose as human beings. And God tells us that this is our purpose by loving us. And how does he show his love to us? It's all around you. This amazing world he's given us. All the blessings he's given us. And in the ultimate way, dying on the cross out of his love for us. Resurrecting and ascending into heaven out of his love for us. Giving us a guardian angel as a out of his love for us, forgiving our sins through the sacrament of confession and holy communion, out of his love for us. So how much should we love him? How much should we be striving to be like St. John and come close to his breast, to him, and and experience that love more and more and more and be illumined and sanctified by that love. But this is our purpose, to be God's love in the world. And he says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his own spirit, his own spirit, the Holy Spirit, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. God lives in him. And he in God. So we know and believe the love God has for us. This is, uh, again, we could spend so much time on just these. Can you see how much these words are full of spirit? These are not human words. These are divine words. No one spoke like this ever. And you could see the power of God flowing through John in these words. He's saying things that have never been said before. They are full of the Holy Spirit, these words. So we really have to study them, really have to meditate on them. I just said that we believe that, and and John says that Christ lives in us. God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. But then he says something remarkable. He says, and you will live in God. I don't know about you, but I cannot wrap my mind around that. It's it's very, uh, it's easy to understand the idea of, okay, I'm going to receive God into myself through Holy Communion, through the grace of God, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to become a vessel of him. He's going to live in me. 
But John is saying something very mysterious. He's saying, and you will live in God. How is this possible? What kind of amazing wonder is this? There are no words to describe it. We don't know what that means. Except to say that because God lives, I will live. This is how I live. Because God is the only one who truly has life. And now I will live because I will be with him. I will be in him in whatever way God desires. That's life. That's paradise. Without that, we have no life. Do you see? And then the very famous line, God is love. And he who abides in love, abides means lives, exists. He who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God is love. Now don't don't misunderstand. We're not saying that God is an emotion, this human emotion of love. We're saying something else. We feel the human emotion of love, and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing that we experience together. But love, when we speak of God's love, or that, to say that God is love, we're talking about something else that is what we say, one of the energies of God. Energia, one of the energies of God. And God has... Uh, revealed many energies of him through which we experience him. We can never know the essence of God, right? Our essence is human nature. You can go to the hospital and they'll open you up and they can know all about you inside and outside. That's your essence, your human nature, right? But not fully. There's still a lot of things we don't know about human nature, obviously. But God we can never know. God we can never ever know. His essence. Because he's beyond our understanding. He's incomprehensible. But out of his love for us, he desires us to know him through his energies. And what are these? The first is life. Life is an energy of God. The fact that you are all alive means that you are experiencing the energy of God. That is what's giving you life. That is what's giving life to the whole world, to everything. Light is an energy of God. I'm not talking about the sun in the sky. We're talking about the light of the Holy Spirit, the light of God which you saw Christ transfigured in. It is the glory of God. It's the light of the resurrection. Remember the priest comes out, come receive the light. We're not talking about a candle. We're not talking about a flame. We're talking about the glory of God, of the resurrection, that light that blinded everyone when they saw the risen Christ. Truth is an energy of God that is so needed today in a world of lies, in a world of deception of the devil, Truth of God. 
We have to seek for it. We have to seek after it by seeking it in ourselves. What, who am I? What's my truth? What's truth about me? What's not true? Grace, the grace of God, which heals all things, which sanctifies all things. Love, of course, as we said, an energy of God. Hope, as an energy of God. And there are others. So, here John says, God is love. In other words, as we said last time, God created the whole world out of love, out of his love that overflowed out of him. Through this, all things were made. And then he recreates it with love, the love on the cross. And he says, God is love, and he who lives in love lives in God, and God abides in him. Our purpose, again, is to live as beings that have love. But what kind of love? Are we talking about this emotional love that sometimes we feel and sometimes we don't? Right? Let's be honest. We all have our loved ones at home, our wives, our husbands, our children, our parents. We love them more than you can imagine, but sometimes ah, kind of love or whatever, we might not like them sometimes. We love them, but we don't like them at certain times, right? And we all do that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something else, a deeper love that's beyond human emotion, that comes from God. It's the love of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is a sacrificial love. It is the love that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the love of the martyrs that gave their lives for God. It's the love of those who go out into the world as missionaries to try to save and bring the gospel to people. It's the love of those who sacrifice their whole life for another person, not expecting anything in return. Do you see how that's a different kind of love? And that's a divine love that's flowing through us, through these people. That is the love we're discussing, what we're talking about. When we say God is love, that's the love we need to cultivate in us. But how will I cultivate this love of God that I'm describing right now, this divine love, if I love other things more than it, if I love the world, if I love material things, if I've given my mind and heart to those things all the time, I will not be able to develop this kind of divine love. And for that reason, neither will God live in me, and I will not be able to live in God. This is a warning. If God is love and he abides in us and we abide in him and that is what true life is, that means our job is to empty ourselves. Repent. Draw close to God's breast, to Jesus Christ. 
be filled with his love, and then give that love to others. But I can only do that if I desire that love, like John did. If I don't desire, if I desire other things in this world, if I give my mind and my heart and my time only the things that I can see around me, the world, that is constantly inviting us to love it, right? I will not know God. I will not be able to love Him. We have one heart, one mind. Can you split your brain in two and it'll still work? No. Can you cut your heart in two and it will still work? No. Our job is total, to give ourselves totally to God, our minds and our hearts. This is the spiritual life. This is the struggle. And it takes your whole lifetime to make this journey, this progress of love towards God. And many people do not advance. They stay. They do not grow in their love for God because they don't desire it enough. So you see how important it is to commit ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our God, to love Him, to open our hearts to Him, to God. If we don't, we will not experience Him as love in the next life but we will experience instead regret because we will have sinned against love. We will have turned our backs against love. We will have not received and given God's love. That's hell. That's the orthodox understanding of hell, is remorse that I did not use this life to get closer to God, to love Him and love others as much as was my purpose. And when, I, when the soul in the next life comes into the presence of God, who is love, and ha that soul has no love in them, he is stricken, she, that soul is stricken with remorse, with regret, with pain and suffering at having betrayed love, at having uh, denied love, at having not loved the one who truly loved you. That's hell. That's our understanding of hell. The orthodox teaching. So you see, there's nothing worse than knowing you've sinned against love. Nothing worse. And that's why he says, for God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And this is love perfected in us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment that's what he's referring to judgment day because as he is so are we in this world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and he who fears is not perfected in love we have to have fear of God, not fear of the world, not fear of the virus, not fear of the politicians, not fear of the devil, only fear of God. 
but not fear of God like we're afraid of him, he's going to punish us and send us to hell. That's a Protestant understanding. That's not what we believe as Orthodox. Hell is certainly real, but God is love. But we have to have the fear of God, which means the fear of offending him, the fear of denying him, the fear of blaspheming against him. That's what it means to have the fear of God. The fear of losing our salvation. The fear of betraying him because I want to be accepted in the world. I want to be liked in the world. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to lose money. I don't want to lose friends. And now I live a life and I act in a way that's not Christian. I'm betraying Christ. The fear of God. To not do that, but to stay loyal to Jesus Christ, no matter what. That's what the fear of God means. And finally, we love because he first loved us. That sums it all up. We are able to love one another, our spouses, our children, everything God's given us. The ability to love, the, the, the ability to experience love could not have happened. We did not create it ourselves. All of it came because God first loved us. So isn't it only right that we should love him? That's what we are here to do. That's why we come to the liturgy. That's why you are here today. Out of your love for God. And it's not just something that we do one day a week, but it's a love we should cultivate every day with one another in our families, with strangers, with coworkers, whoever it may be. Allow the love of Christ and to enter your heart as well as it did St. John's by loving him and inviting him, asking him to live in you and loving him. How do we grow in love for God? We've said it before, I'll say it again. Prayer, especially the Jesus prayer, Holy Communion, Confession, all the sacraments of the church, and by doing good works for others, by helping others, this attracts the grace of God to you, attracts the Holy Spirit to you. And now you begin to be transformed. You be begin to become that vessel of love that, I'm, that John is describing and that we've been talking about. We have one life, a very short life, to live, to be able to achieve this purpose to fulfill this purpose of being the love of God in the world. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.